press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Tuesday, September 20. A thousand years of majesty and tradition in the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. Britain's longest-serving monarch was finally laid to rest overnight by her grieving family and a gathering of world leaders like we've never seen before in a London packed to the gunnels. Later in the episode, how it all unfolded. Lynn's Law, a momentous change in legislation that will mean convicted killers, including Christopher Dawson, will not be granted parole unless they reveal the location of the victim's remains. That's an exclusive in The Australian Today. We'll hear about it later in the episode. It began with 96 tolls of the ancient abbey's tenor bell. One for each year of the life of Elizabeth Alexandra Mary. Mother of four, adoring wife, mechanic, horse trainer, and the longest reigning monarch ever to serve the people of Britain. Queen Elizabeth was married and crowned, we gather from across the nation, from the Commonwealth and from the nations of the world, to mourn our loss, to remember her long life of selfless service and ensure confidence to commit her to the mercy of God, our Maker and Redeemer. The service was written by the Queen herself and it was full of personal touches, her favourite hymns, the prayers she loved the most, and the voices of women. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Duty was the theme, but the Queen's own powerful resolve and her sense of loyalty were crystal clear. Her son Andrew, the Duke of York, might be exiled from public life, but in her last act as his mother, the Queen ensured Andrew was front and centre, entering the Abbey with his brother the King and seated with the royals, Charles, Camilla, William, Catherine and the other outsiders. Megan and Harry. Let us pray for His Majesty the King and all the royal family, that they may know the sustaining power of God's love and the prayerful fellowship of God's people. Almighty God, the fountain of all goodness, 
we humbly beseech thee to bless our most gracious Sovereign Lord, King Charles, Camilla, the Queen Consort, William, Prince of Wales, and all the royal family. Endure them with thy Holy Spirit, enrich them with thy heavenly grace, prosper them with all happiness, and bring them to thine everlasting kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The service was just an hour long, but infused with all the majesty and dignity a thousand-year-old tradition can impart. The new national anthem. last, a lone piper, playing the Queen's favourite, a lullaby, Sleep Deary Sleep. Past hundreds of thousands of subjects, the Queen's coffin was taken to Windsor Castle for a private family burial. Reporter Jacqueline Magnay was in the Abbey for the service. You can read her story right now at theaustralian.com.au. Coming up, why Christopher Michael Dawson will likely die in jail. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts. Breaking news today, Chris Dawson will likely die in jail unless he reveals the location of the body of his wife, Lynn. The New South Wales government has agreed to Lynn Dawson's family's plea to introduce no-body, no-parole laws into Parliament, bringing New South Wales into line with other jurisdictions. Lynn's law recognises that prisoners are required to cooperate with authorities to find their victims' remains before they can be released. To tell us more, we're joined by senior reporter Matthew Condon. Matt, 
Nobody, no parole laws is something that comes up every so often in New South Wales and in other jurisdictions. It means a lot to victims' families, doesn't it? Well, absolutely. It's enormous. When you think about the suffering and pain and agony that Lynn's family, the Sims family and others have continued to go through to this day, this is an extraordinary moment that will be attributed forever to Lynette Dawson. It's almost difficult to comprehend. In episode eight of The Teacher's Pet, the podcast that brought the case to global attention and led to charges finally being laid, our colleague Hedley Thomas spoke to Lynn's brother, Greg Sims, about finding closure and finding his sister's body. And what's more important to you, um, to find her remains or to catch a killer? Can I be greedy and have both? Yeah. Okay, I'll have both because uh, I think he's had enough freedom and uh, he needs to actually um, be punished for what he's done. And if we can find Lynn in the process, yeah. What will be the practical application of it in Chris Dawson's case? That's a very good question. I've been doing a little bit of reading about how this operates in other states, like Queensland has had it now for about five years. The situation is that the perpetrator has to be demonstrably seen to be cooperating with uh, not just police but prison authorities in relation to the location of their victims. Now, how will this apply to Christopher Dawson? He's in his mid-70s. He's yet to be uh, sentenced. This has all happened only a matter of weeks after uh, the guilty verdict from Justice Harrison. The situation with Christopher Dawson, you would think, is, first of all, he has to have a possibility of parole itself. Now, he might try that in 10 years or 12 years, uh, his lawyers on his behalf, and in fact, it's rejected, and then may have to try another attempt down the track. Now, all the time uh, in this situation, age is bearing very heavily on him. He's not a young man. I would think the first step is, would he be initially eligible for parole and still be able to live a life beyond jail if he was successful? You'd have to do the maths and say it was very heavily stacked against him. Matt, we found out on Friday that Chris Dawson is appealing the guilty verdict. We had anticipated that, given that he had fought this all the way to the High Court before the trial even happened. What do you think is the practical likelihood that he would reveal anything else about where Lynn went after Friday the 8th of January 1982? This is only a a poorly educated opinion, but I would say the odds are close to nil. I mean, just think about, as we witnessed in the trial itself and in Justice Harrison's verdict and that monumental document he produced, you have a human being here who has very cunningly and craftily hidden his activities for four decades The odds of him suddenly turning around, finding contrition and saying, "Okay, the game's up. I did it. This is where Lynn is. I mean, unfortunately for the family, I would have to say that would require Dawson making a reverse, full reverse and a total admission of guilt. I can't see it happening. Matthew Condon is a senior journalist with The Australian. The Teacher's Pet, the podcast that exposed the tragedy of Lynn Dawson, is live now at The Australian's website. You can find it by downloading The Australian's app or going to theteacherspet.com.au.
I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts.